Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. This episode features the mystery short story, Christmas Cookie Caper by Margaret S. Hamilton. It's read by local actor Donna Beavers. Christmas Cookie Caper was published in Kings River Life magazine in 2015. This is the first of three Christmas mystery episodes. If you'd like to help support this podcast, listen for details in the closing of this episode on how to become a patron and get some fun perks. Lizzie, Christopher, you haven't returned my calls. Lizzie was on her hands and knees on the floor of the local food market, perusing the bottom shelf. She saw two poison green duck shoes and looked up to red corduroy slacks embroidered with candy canes, topped with a Christmas sweater festooned with gold rope trim and hung with small ornaments and tree lights. Lizzie grabbed a package of rice from the shelf and struggled to her feet. Patricia, oh, what a nice surprise. And what a pretty sweater. Why haven't you answered my phone messages? I even resorted to texting you. The rector's wife considered texting as indecent as cleavage exposure in church. Lizzie pulled a chiming phone out of her hooded sweatshirt pocket and glanced at the screen. It's a crisis a minute this week. Stan, the market owner, called from the back room. Hey, Lizzie, I've got your order packed in boxes. Lizzie waved her thanks and smiled at Patricia. We were at a soccer tournament all weekend. Returning home late last night? My apologies, we were out of cell range most of the time. Lizzie pulled a list from her purse and studied it. The throw pillows for the church Christmas boutique are finished. I'll clip loose threads and insert the pillow forms this morning and deliver them, the table runners, and tree skirts to the parish hall by noon. Will that be acceptable? She continued before Patricia could respond. I made a commitment to bake 12 dozen raspberry snow bars in six batches. Plans have changed, and I am to do the preparation and baking in the church kitchen. She checked her list. My assigned time is four to six this afternoon. Lizzie looked at Patricia. It's inconvenient, but I'll do as you ask. Patricia began to sputter. But, but the ingredients! Did you read my email about the ingredients? Stan joined them and showed Patricia a spreadsheet. Everything you need for every single cookie is listed. The shipment just arrived. All the chocolates, bittersweet, semi-sweet, and milk in bars, chips, and chunks. Dutch processed cocoa, candied fruits, coconut, nuts, jams, and preserves. Eggs, sweet butter, flour, brown confectioners, and regular sugar. How did you do that? Patricia asked. Lizzie smiled. Easy. As a new member of the Boutique Baking Committee, you sent me a complete set of recipes. I assembled the ingredients into one shopping list and fired it off on Saturday. She patted Patricia on the arm. I heard that the local stores were stripped of every kind of baking supply, so I contacted Stan. Well, I'm sure Stan's products will meet our exacting standards, Patricia said. That's one less crisis I have to deal with today. 
Of course, I shop here all the time, Lizzie said. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll pull my van around back and load up. She and Stan walked towards the back of the store. She turned and called over her shoulder. Is the parish hall open? Push the intercom button and the secretary will let you in. I have a long list of errands before I make it over there. Don't we all? Lizzie said to herself. Lizzie thanked Stan and headed out. She'd looked forward to a weekend of out-of-town soccer games, free of her Christmas boutique obligations. Lizzie had worked long hours with the seamstress at the interior design shop she managed, making the holiday accent pillows and Christmas tree skirts. People paid a premium for the items. The money's raised used for a variety of St. Paul's parish outreach programs. Lizzie hadn't had time to respond to the many people who had alerted her about the ingredient shortages. The messages made no sense. During the first week of December, the store should be stocked to overflowing with colored sugars, candied fruits, and cookie cutters. She dropped off the boxes of supplies at the church. Patricia's rector husband, Ted, helped her carry everything inside. You've saved the day, Lizzie, he said. Thanks to you, the boutique cookie bakers will get everything completed on schedule. At midday, Lizzie called the church secretary and requested that someone meet her in the parking lot to receive the interior decor accessories from the shop. She waved as she made a fast getaway. Lizzie's decorating customers required attention, especially those who needed their new window treatments installed and reupholstered furniture delivered before holiday parties. Later that afternoon, Lizzie pulled into the empty parish hall parking lot. Good, she thought. I'll have the kitchen all to myself. She heaved milk crates out of the van, packed with everything she used for baking. Measuring cups and spoons, large bowls, a powerful hand mixer, glass baking dishes, and her own ingredients. Rummaging for equipment or supplies in an unfamiliar kitchen would slow her down. Like a carpenter, she worked best with her own tools. Two children exploded out of the bushes surrounding the parking lot, shrieking as they chased each other in circles. Hey kids, where's mommy or grandma? The girl looked about four years old. She pointed to the parish hall kitchen. In there, she made us wait outside. She looked up at Lizzie. We're hungry. Can we have something to eat? The boy was younger, jet propelled, but not yet talking. He patted his tummy and picked his nose. Let's go inside and find your mother. They ran ahead of her. The parish hall door was ajar, the interior hallway dark. Odd, Lizzie thought. The church secretary is always here till five. She lined her crates up against the wall and walked towards the kitchen. She could hear someone opening drawers and cabinets and moving stacks of stainless steel mixing bowls. The children raced into the kitchen. Belle, we're here. The lady let us in. We're hungry. Can we go home now? The girl asked. You're supposed to call me Mommy, remember? Belle asked. I told you kids to wait outside while I look for something. She continued to open drawers. What lady are you talking about? This place is deserted. Are you telling lies again? Lizzie tiptoed up the hall. 
The church office was closed and locked. How could she get Belle and her children out of the parish hall? Lizzie called 911. Female intruder in the St. Paul's Parish Hall kitchen. She left her small kids in the parking lot, so I brought them inside. Lizzie eased her way back down the hall toward the kitchen and continued to eavesdrop. The children whined about a snack. Keep quiet, both of you, Belle said. I can't leave until I find their recipes. Belle made a phone call. I'm in the parish hall kitchen. They've been baking cookies all day. Where did they get their supplies? You told me our group had bought up every bar and bag of baking chocolate in town. But I smell chocolate. Luscious, expensive chocolate. Lizzie finally understood the reason for the baking ingredient shortage in town. She heard Belle slam what sounded like her phone on the stainless steel countertop. Lizzie knew many of the kitchen cabinets would be locked. She heard Belle yank on the cupboard handles and kick the locked pantry door before opening the refrigerator and rummaging through it. Lizzie hoped that boutique items and baked goods were locked in a Sunday school room upstairs. Officer Bethany Schmidt opened the parish hall door and called out, Lizzie, are you here? What's going on? Lizzie pointed towards the kitchen. Hello, find what you were looking for? She asked as she walked through the doorway. Belle grabbed something from a drawer before she nudged it closed. She held her arm down at her side. Where do you keep the cookie recipes? Are you on the boutique baking committee? Lizzie asked. I thought I knew everyone on the list. You know I'm not. Belle said with a snarl. If it isn't Isabel Darcy, Bethany said as she entered the kitchen, causing more trouble, I hear you left your boyfriend's kids unattended in the parking lot. Not a good idea. It's almost dark. Mind your own business, Isabel said. I'll tell the station I'm bringing you in for questioning and ask them to alert Child Protective Services. Bethany thumbed her radio. All right, I'm leaving, Isabel said. Come on, kids, we need to go. She balanced the boy on her hip and pushed the girl towards the door. Not so fast, Lizzie said. What's in your other hand? Isabel's face flushed. She smacked a pair of kitchen shears down on the counter. Why do you need the parish cookie recipes? Lizzie asked. They're a closely held secret. It's the church's major money-making project for the year. They've cornered the cookie market, Isabel said. My group can't get any orders. Everybody buys from St. Paul's. Why shouldn't they? The proceeds are for charity, Lizzie said. Are you baking as a fundraiser? We're baking for profit, Isabel said. We're all stuck at home with small children. Jericho's the kind of place where people pay good money for home-baked goods especially if they can pass them off as their own. So you've organized a baking venture, perhaps with delivery? What's it to you? You're as big a snoop as that fat cow Patricia. Lizzie, you don't know the half of it, Bethany said. This so-called cookie caper has been going on all weekend. She pulled out her notepad and flipped through the pages, reading her notes. Isabel complained that St. Paul's had a monopoly on Christmas cookie sales. 
She arranged to use the community church kitchen for her group's baking activities and reported St. Paul's to the County Board of Health for selling cookies baked in private homes. Now I get it, Lizzie said. That's why all baking activities had to happen here in an inspected kitchen. And then Isabel and her cronies stripped the shelves in the local stores so the St. Paul's bakers wouldn't have any supplies. Lizzie glared at Isabel. I overheard your phone conversation. Lizzie turned to Bethany. Now she's determined to get her hands on the church recipes. Lizzie brushed past Isabel and turned on the ovens. I'm here to bake 12 dozen cookies, thanks to you. Otherwise, I'd be at home with my family. She hauled her plastic crates in from the hall. She leaned against the counter and crossed her arms. I can't start my baking until Isabel leaves. You people have no idea what it takes to get a business up and running, Isabel said. As a matter of fact, I do, Lizzie said. The Main Street merchants have an active mentoring program for new businesses. I'd be happy to refer you. Just stay out of my life, Isabel said. Then stop interfering in ours, Lizzie said. She picked up the scissors and clicked them. A lethal weapon in front of the children? Isabel, I'll let you off with a warning and follow you home, Bethany said. If I ever see your kids unattended, I'm charging you with child endangerment. Lizzie locked the parish hall door behind them and returned to the kitchen to organize her baking. She held her breath as she separated twelve eggs, one at a time, before she pulled out her hand mixer in two bowls. She creamed, shortening, sugar, and egg yolks, then added flour to make the crust for her bar cookies. She patted the dough into six glass baking pans and slid them in the ovens. Lizzie missed working at home, enjoying a glass of wine with her husband, the commotion of teenagers and dogs in the background. She grabbed another bowl and beat the egg whites to stiff peaks while gradually adding sugar. The kitchen was filled with the aroma of almond flavoring she'd added. She lined up the six pans with baked crusts on the counter and spread each with raspberry preserves topped with coconut. Lizzie swirled the egg whites over the coconut and returned the pans to the oven, deep in thought. She fumed as she gathered up her equipment. Isabel didn't care about the kids. She was irresponsible. What was wrong with her boyfriend? Was he not aware of her behavior? Lizzie also sensed that Isabel had catering experience. She had been clever enough to rent a commercial kitchen and report St. Paul's to the county health inspector, but if she was experienced, why did she need the cookie recipes? Lizzie dumped her mixing bowls, spoons, and spatulas in the sink and squirted them with liquid detergent. Bethany called to report that Isabel and the children were safely home. Lizzie turned off the water and propped her phone on the windowsill to continue their conversation. She glanced at the coffee travel mug Isabel had left behind. There's something bugging me about Isabel, she told Bethany. All her posturing about a young mother's baking collective doesn't ring true. I would have heard about it from the Main Street merchants and offered my help with the marketing and promotion end of things. She rinsed and wiped her cooking equipment and loaded it back in the plastic crates as she continued talking. 
Several women in Jericho cater hors d'oeuvres, meals, and desserts. There's never been an issue about their working from their home kitchens. Based on previous cases you've meddled in, your gut instincts are usually correct, Bethany said. What do you suggest? I know DNA testing takes months and is expensive. Isabel left her travel mug on the counter. How about running her fingerprints? She endangered the children and ransacked the kitchen to steal the cookie recipes. We still don't know how she got inside and why the secretary was gone. Lizzie wrapped the mug in a paper towel and sealed it in a large Ziploc bag. She pulled six pans of fragrant raspberry snowbars out of the ovens, the meringue tops crisp with a hint of color, and left them to cool on the countertops. Patricia would return to the parish hall kitchen after dinner to inspect and store them. She loaded up her van and headed for the police station to drop off the mug. Bethany Schmidt dropped by Lizzie's home the next morning. Your instincts were correct, as usual. We ran prints on the mug through Aphis and got a hit. She's not Isabel Darcy, is she? Lizzie asked. No. She's a fugitive named Darcy Bell, wanted in connection with her previous chef boyfriend's poisoning murder in New York a few years ago. Hiding in Jericho, Lizzie said, with two small children as her cover. We picked up Darcy and have her in custody. We're waiting for lab results on the parish hall kitchen before we charge her. She's demanded a lawyer and isn't talking. We've notified New York to start the extradition process. Any idea if she put poison in the food supplies in the parish hall kitchen? The cupboards and pantry were locked. I remember hearing her rummage around the refrigerator, Lizzie said. Make sure they check everything inside it. Bethany turned to leave. Darcy stole her chef boyfriend's recipes. She might have been searching for the parish cookie recipes after all. It's one way of starting a restaurant, Lizzie said. Get some workers and a commercial space and start a catering business. With restaurant quality recipes, she'd be established in no time. Weed out the unsatisfactory workers and assemble a solid kitchen crew. Lizzie shook her head. It was a good business plan. Start small, gain a local following, and then swing the financing to open a restaurant. But she needed cookie and dessert recipes. What about the church secretary? Lizzie asked. She had a dental appointment. Just as she was leaving, she let Darcy in to use the bathroom. Sorry to tell you, Bethany said, but we had to confiscate your raspberry snowbars. I know you used your own ingredients and equipment, but we can't take a chance. Lizzie sighed. Safety first. She had an idea. Can you give me the names of Darcy's kitchen crew? I'll have them help me bake another batch, here in my kitchen. Lab tests revealed that Darcy had put weed killer in the milk and cream in the parish hall refrigerator. She was charged and transported to the county lockup to await trial. The Ohio governor, in conjunction with the state prosecutor, would make a final decision about her extradition to New York. Darcy's current boyfriend kept custody of his children. 
Isabel's crew of young mothers was delighted to be part of the St. Paul's Boutique, helping serve and clean up while their children were cared for in the church nursery. Patricia, resplendent in burgundy velvet with gold reindeer earrings, announced that the combined sales of Christmas cookies and boutique items were the highest on record. This reading of Christmas Cookie Caper was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Ham. You can learn more about the author on her website, margaretshamilton.com. If you'd like to help us be able to continue to bring you more mystery fun, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash kingsriverlife. Even a dollar a month can make a difference and we could really use your support. Watch for even more great perks coming soon for our patrons. We also have some cool merchandise available on Redbubble. Check the show notes for the link and for the links to our websites and social media. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode and subscribe to our podcast newsletter for bonus content. If you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it as this helps make us easier for others to find and be sure to tell your friends. Until next time, this is your announcer wishing you a life full of mystery.